Spirit. Amen. Let's entrust this evening to Our Lady's motherly care. As we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So tonight's talk is called Order and the Heroic Minute. Um, and so tonight's talk is all about the importance of being on time. So. Now, this is our lowest attendance of the entire series, no doubt reflecting the fact that this does not sound like a very interesting topic. But what I want to try and articulate tonight is that actually this is one of the hinges that holiness pivots on. That if you don't have order in your life, it's impossible to give your life to God. And if you can't give all the bits of your life to God, then you're not going to find God in all those bits. You're only going to find him at occasional moments, like when you come to Mass. So, order. I've been talking in this series about tools that the saints have to get to holiness. Well, this is a tool for saints of the ordinary. So I want to start by thinking about ordinariness. Um, So if we ask the question, is a saint somebody ordinary or extraordinary? We might instantly think, well, he's somebody extraordinary. But what do we mean by extraordinary? Do we mean peculiar? Um, Let me phrase it this way. Do we think of a saint as somebody miraculous or somebody non-miraculous? Does a saint have to do miracles to be a real saint? So here I've got uh, examples five different saints, but these are extraordinary saints, and each of these we can look at and see some very weird miracles. So here's St. Francis, um, and among his miracles, he tamed the wolf of Gubbio. Um, Padre Pio did all kinds of weird stuff, but possibly most famous for bilocating, being in two places at the same time. You might not have heard of Blessed Alexandrina of da Costa. She's one of a number of saints who Spent, so she spent 13 years living on nothing but the Eucharist as her physical food. That's not normal. That's a miracle. Then you have people like St. John Vianney, who would, in confession, read the secrets of people's souls and say, well, you didn't say this, this, and that. Um, and then others, so here's St. Rita of Cassia. She had a part of the stigmata. So these are miraculous saints. These are saints that do weird stuff. And it's interesting, I had a a session with the youth group a couple months ago on how to be a saint and what it means to be a saint. And they all arrived at the evening thinking that to be a saint meant you did this stuff. That you did miracles, you did unusual stuff. Whereas the vast majority of saints don't do this stuff. But they are saints. So here I have a mixture of what I've called ordinary saints that didn't work miracles. So St. Therese of Lisieux, uh, who I spoke a lot about last week, 
She didn't work any miracles when she was alive. St. John Paul II um, might have done some miracles, but certainly there were fairly secret ones. Our Lady, the saint of all saints, no miracles at all. St. Josemaria, um, I've talked about, no miracles. St. Thomas Aquinas, the great doctor of the church, no miracles. Uh, and here I've got an image, um, St. Osmond of Salisbury, one of our local saints. So that's a, um, a marble, um, what's the term, a flat thing um, of him in St. Peter's Basilica down underneath. But he likewise didn't do any saints. All his life's work, his great achievement was to compile the Doomsday Book. He became a saint doing very unexciting stuff. But these are all saints. They didn't work miracles, they didn't walk on water, but they're saints. So which of the two, ordinary saints and extraordinary saints, are greater? And I'm sure if I did a, a spot opinion poll in the congregation, most people would instinctively say, well, these must be greater because they did the weird stuff. They did extraordinary stuff. Whereas actually what our faith tells us is the great saint is the saint who loves. The one who loves more is a greater saint. And someone like St. Therese of Lisieux, who is known as the heart of the church, that's how she describes her vocation, a great model of love, she was a greater saint um, than those that did miracles if she loved more. So it's a very simple criteria. So what am I saying all this for? Just to say that ordinary business can be the path to sanctity, can be your way to be a saint. And so just because no one in Shaftesbury is known to have had a stigmata, no one in the congregation is known to have visions or anything, doesn't mean that we can't have a congregation of real saints, that they love truly. So I've asked the question there, what type of saint has God called you to be? Well, at least from what I know of my congregation, I'm pretty sure he hasn't called any of you to work the kind of miracles that we see on, on the right-hand side there. But he has called each and every one of you to be a saint. So he has pretty certainly called you to be an ordinary saint. But to be a saint by loving, loving much. St. Francis de Sales, you might have heard this quote. He said, some saints are more to be admired than imitated. So that we can look at these saints over here and say, wow, um, that's great. You can look at people like St. John Vianney and how he, um, he used to sleep only one hour a day at night, even, even the 24-hour day, only one hour sleep. Um, and he would hear confessions for 16 hours. Um, that's something to be admired it's not something to be imitated he lived on mouldy potatoes and a glass of milk a day should I therefore think well I'm just going to have mouldy potatoes and a glass of milk a day 
Well, that would be an act of pride on my part, an act of presumption on my part, to think that just because one of them did it, therefore I'm called to do it. Those saints that have these extraordinary things have extraordinary promptings and graces to do it, and they build up to those as well. So St. John Vianney didn't start out on that one hour sleep a day. He kind of evolved to it with more and more love. But to this point, some saints are more to be admired than imitated. So the thing we need to be imitating in them is the love with which it's done. So it's not that St. John Vianney worked so much that is so great, but the fact that he loved so much and his love drove him to work more and more. His love drove him to be more and more available to the people. So what most of us are called to is an ordinary life lived extraordinarily well which means lived with extraordinary love. And back to uh, St. Jose Maria, who I've been quoting a lot in these, um, it's a man whose wisdom I have increasingly sought to base my life on. Um, and St. John Paul II called him, in his canonization homily, the saint of ordinary life. He didn't have visions, he didn't work miracles, but he did lead many to God. He did love. Okay, let's start to getting a little more specific here. So, I want to be a saint. I want to love much. Well, that means my goal today has to be to give my day to God. And that implies I need to use the parts of that day well. And this is the key thing here, to not just give God odd little moments. Because this is a very common but false view of holiness. That the only bits of my life that God is interested in are kind of odd little moments. He's interested in the fact that I turned up to Mass today. He's interested in the fact that I opened my Bible at 9.45. He's not interested in the bits that happen in between. Whereas if what God is interested in is love, if what he is interested in is me giving glory to him in living my life well, living my life loving each moment of my life, loving being expressed in the doing of things well, then it's not just odd parts, but the whole of the day that I'm supposed to give to God. And that means how I plan the day, how I organize the day, how I have order in my day is essential if I don't just have random occasional good bits but a whole that is capable of being offered to God okay we've quoted those reports okay let me focus this with two what I say contradictory statements so I might often have a, a kind of semi-pious enthusiasm from a parishioner would say, I want to love God today by giving the day to him. But would also say something like, I'm not going to plan how to give the things of this day to God. Well, those two things don't go together. If I want to give God this day, if I want to love God by giving him this day, then I have to plan 
how the things of this day are going to do that, how they're going to fit together, how one thing isn't going to stop me doing another thing. And planning can sound like a very mundane, unexciting thing. Like the title of this talk, Order, doesn't sound exciting. But if you don't plan your day, you can't live it for God. So, I'm praising this order as a, a tool for the saints of the ordinary. So St. Josemaria has this uh, phrase in his book, The Way. When you bring order into your life, your time will multiply, and then you'll be able to give God more glory by working more in his service. So if I live a disorganized, shambolic life, I'm not going to be able to do much with my time. I'm not going to achieve much. If my time, if the events of my life and day are ordered and structured, then I'm going to be better able to serve God, serve others, give glory to God, love others in what I do. So to come back to this from a slightly different angle, um, I've said here details. God didn't just make the big stuff. So if we think of the Garden of Eden here, that you know, God created everything. He didn't just create the big fancy things. He created everything. And the big fancy things depend on the little things to stay there. That you can't have a grand lion if you don't have the less glorious things that the lion eats and stands on and whatever else. That all of the stuff matters. The details matter. God made them all. And so each detail I want to bring to fulfillment, bring to perfection. Do it well. Do it for God. So this word order, uh, in Greek orthos, means right or correct. I'm going to quote here from St. Thomas Aquinas. He says, But it is impossible to put various things in order without knowing the relation and proportion among them with regard to something higher, which is their end. Because the order of various things in relation to one another depends on their order in relation to their end. Now what's that? If I'm going to have order, structure, planning in my day, I've got to have a vision of what the end is, the goal is, and how knowing that puts everything else into a set of priorities, that one thing obviously ranks higher than another in relation to another if I have a vision of the end. And what that vision of the end is in its detail varies for each one of us. So someone who is a parent has a whole set of priorities that relate directly to the children and the raising of the children and the care for the children in a way that when you're an old parent and your children are mature, the set of priorities in your relation of the different things you have to do in a day, that all shifts. So we need to know what we're aiming at and how that puts other things into different relationships that I'm then going to plan and use my time well. So, priorities. Oh, here's a little cartoon. Um, 
So here's a man whose boat is sinking and his pretty, his pretty girl's on it. And it says here, she can swim, the boat is insured, uh, so he's off with a beer. Because uh, he doesn't want that to get lost. Now, there's a, a wrong set of priorities. Um, but we need to know what we think is important. What is my priority? To not just do the thing that's easy or the thing that is immediately before me, but the thing that is important. That if I was to make a list of what is important, well, priorities is the first thing that the question of order needs me to identify. So priorities. Time is the next thing. So punctuality um, and with order, limiting time for tasks. Um, so some of the saints talk about the danger of perfectionism. So you can sit trying to be overly fussy, overly perfect about a particular task in such a way that you forget to prioritise other things. So one of the things my spiritual director will often pick me up on is how long I've spent doing certain things. Um, so a talk like tonight, well, how long did I spend preparing it? If I consider how much time I have for the various things in this week and this day, well, it doesn't matter how perfect I'd like this talk to be. If I've only got an hour and a half to prepare it, well, that's going to have to be what it takes. So order and the use of time, what I, time I dedicate to certain things, is, is closely linked with priorities. And punctuality, that if my life is being lived in love for others, in service to others, then when I turn up late for somebody, I am wasting their time. When I turn up late to somebody, I'm saying, my time's more important than your time. That's why it's okay for me to be late for you and you to keep sit there waiting for me. Whereas a life of service seeks to be on time for others, seeks even to be early, um, that I am available to others as a sign of love. But back to the thing about order, that a life that is disordered is going to be a life that is consistently lacking punctuality. So order and priorities, order and time. Order and people. So there you have a huge mass of people. Um, you are called as a Christian to love everybody. But how do I prioritise which person I love first, which person I love more? Well, order includes identifying those questions. So I've asked the question here, who am I responsible to, who am I responsible for? Well, if you're a parent, you have a very clear set of responsibility to your children. If you care for the neighbour's children and neglect your own, well, they might actually be more fun. They might actually be less work. Um, but you have a responsibility for your children. You have a responsibility for your friends. You have a responsibility for, you know, we can list what our relationship is with different people to realise that my priorities, my question of order, also has to think about 
how people fit in that order. And how, yes, it would be really nice to be able to help this other person, but actually order my priorities mean that this other person that isn't screaming at me at the moment, but actually is more deserving of my care, is the one I've got to care about. So order in priorities, order in time, order in people. And that kind of comes together in the question of order of duties. So if I think, so here's a, I don't know how many of you use computerized ones, I've more or less computerized my life now, uh, so I have daily task lists all the time in which I've thought about how I have duties to God, to family, to work, um, where those fit, where therefore I'm planning certain things to do. So that I have many duties, some of them are more important than others, and some of them I may even have to put aside because of the more important ones. St. Maria used to talk about ordering things, which is uh, even more unexciting. Uh, I've asked the question here. So there's an untidy bedroom, unmade beds, um, all kinds of junk just tossed around. Do we need to ask if that person has an ordered interior life? The interior life meaning the life of the soul. That the external things around us do manifest our interior. So St. Josemaria used to say, it is enough to see the wardrobe of a person in order to know how that person's interior life is going. Um, no I won't be doing any inspections later. <laughs> He'd also make the point that exterior order can enable us to make better use of time. So if you are looking for something in that mess, you're not going to find it. That having things tidy, having things ordered, enables us to make better use of our time um, because things are more available, that we structure them better. And obviously this doesn't sound, this isn't exciting. But if it's the giving of my life to God, well, among the things to give to God is a beautiful bedroom because he's given me this bedroom. Um, that doesn't strike me as a great gift to be offering to God. Um, and obviously that said, we do need to remember that the most important thing to be given to God is love and the glory that comes in loving. But love has a form. Love has a structure. And if we live a disordered life, it actually becomes difficult to love properly. So St. Josemaria would talk about tidying small things being mortifications we can offer to God. So if you tidy that bedroom, it will not be fun. Um, but all the little unexciting tidying up things can be small sacrifices, small mortifications to offer up to the Lord. So a couple of examples um, I took from one of Opus Day's books, keeping clothes well folded in a wardrobe 
keeping furniture in its proper place, uh, keeping papers tidily on the desk, and books similarly tidily on the shelves. That these can be small things by which we are, in seeking to be tidy, seeking to bring order to my life, in order that my life as an ordered thing can be better offered to the Lord. So order in priorities, order in time, order in people, order in things. Order, structure, thinking what comes first and how that puts everything else into relationship, into order. So heading towards the conclusion now, how do you do that? Um, well, got a picture there of a hinge. Um, every day has certain events that the day hinges around. It might be that you've got a big thing like a trip to something at two o'clock in the afternoon um, and everything else around the day is going to kind of hinge, pivot around the fact you've got to make that trip at two. Well, if you've identified that that's the case and you know the other things you need to do, then you just hinge everything around um, the right identification of your hinges. You might remember St. Hosemary also used this image of a hinge with respect to work. So he called work one of the hinges of sanctification. And a hinge, I think in his thinking, you know, it's a very unexciting thing, a hinge. Um, you know, the door there is a relatively beautiful, elegant thing. It's got a nice polish on it. It, it can open beautifully and close beautifully. But if there isn't a hinge, it's not a door. It's just a piece of wood in a hole. Um, these unexciting things, work, order, enable everything else to function properly. So... So think of my day and to think, well, what are the hinges that my day builds around? So I've put two examples here um, from my own life. When I wake up and when I go to bed, uh, we all do these two things every day. Um, and I do these both with an alarm clock. Um, so I would be thinking, if I've got those, the time that I wake up and the time that I go to bed, well, there are other things that have to hinge around those times. So, I said it's not rocket science, this isn't complicated. It may seem far too simple to be a matter of holiness. But if my day is actually going to achieve being lived well, then this simple stuff is what it depends on. So, so here, waking up. If Mass is at 7.30, and I need to say a morning breviary, therefore I start at 7.05 to be finished before Mass and make a preparation, that means I'm going to do a half-hour mental prayer. Before that, it's going to be 6.35. I'm going to unlock the church at 6.25, therefore, because it doesn't just happen instantly. I need to factor how much time. My bathroom routine, therefore, is going to have to be start at 5.50. I, therefore, can't sleep until 6.30. I can just work backwards the routine. 
thinking about that hinge of 7.30. And conversely, at the end of the day, if I'm going to go to bed at 10, can calculate when the bathroom, when I'm going to have to lock up the church or check that it's all been locked. Um, so I can't start a 40-minute m- film um, at 9.10, or, or else I'm going to fail in achieving getting a good night's sleep. So these unexciting things are hinges around what our life uh, consists of. And so this can look like it's just a matter of going on a time management course. And a time management course might be a useful tool, but obviously what has to be the difference between time management and what I'm trying to describe here is the motive, the end goal, that it's about doing it all for God, using my day well for God, using my day well in love, realising that there are, in terms of the people I interact with, people who are depending on me, people who, in love, need me to do certain things. And so I need to plan my time so that I don't just fritter away the day, but I use it well. So a couple other hinges could be what time you leave for work, what time you have lunch, what time you have supper, that planning those and what has to go before and after them, um, whatever hinges you have in your day, in your week, to think what other things, therefore, slot around. So you may remember two weeks ago, I talked about this thing, a plan of life. As Mary said, without a plan of life, you will never have order. I described that as a, a long-term goal for a parishioner, um, a short-term goal. Well, if you're going to do those things, five minutes mental prayer, five minutes daily spiritual reading, morning offering and some light prayers, well, when in the day is that going to happen? Well, identifying the hinges in your day means you can figure out when those are going to slot in when they will slot in in a way that feels natural and easy. So if I'm going to do some mental prayer, well, I need to not do that at a time when my mind is utterly crazy and spinning with a thousand other things. I need to pick a hinge when I'm, relatively speaking, going to be able to be calm and focused. And also to try and hinge things like that around moments that are fixed enough that I'll be able to ensure that it happens. So, plan of life. Identify what your spiritual tasks for the day are and schedule your spiritual tasks around the time-specific hinges of your day. So none of us need to ask ourselves whether going to go to the toilet today, whether I'm going to go to sleep today, whether I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm, I am going to do these things. Um, similarly, the spiritual tasks of what I'm going to do today, I can plan and I can hinge, schedule around the, the hinges of my day. So finally, um, in the title, I referred to the heroic minute. So here's an image of a, an alarm clock about to get hit with a hammer. Um, so when 
Actually, that's a fairly, I didn't notice, and that's a, a fairly leisurely start to the day, isn't it? Uh, 7.59. Um, whatever time of day our alarm goes off, uh, for almost everybody it's a struggle. For almost all, everybody, there is, what St. Josemaria would say, an opportunity for it to be a heroic minute. So he would say, and he was obviously having been through the Spanish Civil War, um, and in war you see heroes. Um, that when is a hero made? Well, a hero might be manifested in great moments on a battlefield, but heroes are made in small moments. Heroes are made in things like how I respond to the alarm clock. So when I hear the alarm clock go, he would say we should view it as a call from God to start a new day. That I shouldn't just hear the alarm clock as an obstacle, as a difficulty, but this is how I'm going to engage with the day. How I engage with that first minute is going to set me on a path that will direct, form, affect how I engage with the rest of the day. Do I engage in that day with an attitude of sluggishness, laziness, selfishness? Or do I engage with that moment in an act of service, an act of love, um, an act of victory, that I'm not going to be defeated by the difficulties of this day, whether it's the difficulty of feeling tired or the difficulty of hitting the alarm um, so in, Saint, in Opus Day, one of their routines when they wake up um, to get out of bed kneel down kiss the floor and say I will serve so that this first minute is a minute in which you are focusing yourself on a day of service to God a service to others not a moment in which it's all just about me Okay, so I've said all that again. So, to recap. Ordinary saints and extraordinary saints. Some are, saints are more to be admired than imitated. So, these are great saints. God did do amazing things through them. But that doesn't mean they were greater. They were greater or lesser, depending on whether they loved more or loved less than the saints on the left. And Our Lady, who worked no miracles loved more than any of us and that's why she's the greatest saint giving the day to God using the parts of the day well not just giving him odd little moments that means I've got a plan how those parts are going to be used and order means I will multiply the amount of time I have in the day so this is the final slide so talk about order in priorities, in time, in people, in things, and in duties. To think what is the order, what fits where. To identify the hinges that there are in my day and plan my day around those hinges. And that means I'll be able to offer the whole of the day and the parts within it to God. And this thing I finished with, the, the heroic minutes, is... Uh, 
one of the ways of testing our order, testing our whole attitude to the day. All right.